But then the, the next thing, which is going to be a long discussion, I'll probably spend a couple of sessions on it, is the next ayah. And I know I've made a point to talk about this ayah before in this masjid, but I feel this is such an important topic, and it's such a point of confusion for so many Muslims, that it's critical that we make sure that all Muslims are on the same page when it comes to this next ayah, at least inshallah ta'ala, and, and develop a deeper understanding of it. Here's what the ayah says by itself. It begins, No doubt those who believed, of course referring to the Muslims, and those who were Jewish, the Jews, and the Christians. actually, And the Sabians. Sabians are, uh, some consider them followers of Ibrahim salam, but they ended up worshipping stars and, and fire and things like that later on in the Arabs. Because they're called Sabians. والصابئين. من آمن بالله واليوم الآخر وعمل صالحا. Whoever came to believe in Allah and the last day and acted righteously. Three things, three conditions are mentioned. I'd like you to remember those three conditions. Believing in Allah, believing in the last day, and acting righteously. These are the only three conditions. And then what does Allah say? فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ Then they have no fear on them whatsoever. They have no fear on them and they're not going to be the ones to grieve. In other words, they're okay. They got no problems. But the ayah began with four groups. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Those who believe. Then the Jews. Then the Christians. Then the Sabians. And at the end of the ayah, Allah offered salvation. These people are saved. If they meet how many conditions? These four groups are saved if they meet how many conditions? Three conditions. Those conditions were, they believe in Allah, they believe in the last day, and they act righteously. Notice there's no mention of prophets in books, right? So some people took this ayah and they interpreted, look, Christians, Jews, Sabians, that just Sabians could mean generally anybody. So anybody who believes in God, they're okay. So long as they believe in God, they believe in some kind of afterlife and they're good people, you're good to go. You don't have to become Muslim to get to paradise. Because the Qur'an says, you know, it's an open ticket. You know, and a lot of different kinds of groups can get in. There are, there are several problems with this interpretation. Several problems. But we're going to address this from the very basics onwards, okay? We'll go to the more complex discussions later. We'll start at the very basics first. You cannot take the ayah of Qur'an from its place. Allah Azza wa said something before this, Allah is saying something after this. You cannot disregard what Allah is saying and take it out of its context. Taking out of the context, or taking tearing an ayah out of its context, Allah complains about this in the Qur'an. الَّذِينَ جَعَلُوا الْقُرْآنَ Those who took the Qur'an and tore it, they ripped it from its place. They tore it to pieces. Now look, what did the ayah before say? What were the crimes? The crimes was they used, were they used to disbelieve in the ayat of Allah. Where do ayat come from? How do ayat reach people? Prophets. All prophets brought the ayat. Ayat don't come to people directly. Ayat come through prophets. So when kufr is mentioned in the previous ayah, it's not kufr in Allah, it's not kufr in the last day, it's not kufr in anything else. What is it kufr in? What is it disbelief in? Revelation. And revelation means disbelief in the prophets. You can't you know, have this discussion outside of the realm of prophets. Then Allah Azza wa says, وَيَقْتُلُونَ النَّبِيِّينَ And even their crimes are against who? Prophets. And if you go to this entire discussion is happening with Bani Israel, when it began, what invitation did Allah give them? آمِنُوا بِمَا أَنزَلْتُ مُصَدِّقًا Come to believe in what I have sent down. What's he talking about? The Qur'an. And you cannot believe in the Qur'an unless you believe in the man who's delivering it, وسلم, the Messenger. So the, the belief in the Prophets 
and the belief specifically in the Messenger of Allah is what this whole discussion began with. And everything that is coming now is in the context of that discussion. To remove it from that context and say Jews and Christians and Sabians are all okay so long as they meet these conditions is to say this surah, this ayah doesn't belong to this surah. You can't remove it from its context. And fortunately, because Muslims today, subhanAllah, the vast majority of us, even the ones that study or read Qur'an, they read it an ayah at a time. We don't read it like a surah or like a book or like a discussion. We read it like an isolated excerpt, right? So we read the ayah and we read a paper, an article written about that ayah, and we say, yeah, it makes total sense. But it's, it's completely taking things out of context. Even the next ayah, I'll conclude with this, this part of the discussion today, the next ayah right after this, Guess what? Allah reminds them, I took a covenant from you. I took a covenant, He took a covenant from Bani Israel. And rose, He raised the mountain of Tur above them. And told them to hold on to what He has given them. What had He given them? He had given them their book. And the book didn't come to them directly, it came to them through who? Musa salam. So even in the next ayah, they're being told, Iman comes from Risala. The ayah before is about Risala, the ayah after is about Risala. How can you assume that there's no importance of Risala given in the surah? It's a, it's a very ingenuine kind of interpretation of the text. And it's only done to please certain elements. You know, we believe everybody's okay. How come a minister can walk into a masjid? And I've seen this happen. A minister will invite a minister to speak about his faith at the masjid. He'll walk in and say, look, I know we, we should have cooperation between our communities, but let me tell you something straightforward. I don't believe you're going to paradise. I believe until you believe in Jesus, you're all going to hell. But I'm willing to work with you in this world. Let's leave the next world for our own belief. I'm not willing to compromise on that. If he has the guts to say that to us, why are we so scared to say no? When salvation is mentioned, there's one way to, the, to, the, to this salvation, and all other doors have been closed. Why is it that we're scared to say that? They're not scared to say it. They don't think it's politically incorrect. They'll, just, they'll come out and say it. They will come out and say it. So we have to, what, what is our belief? Don't worry about what people will say, or you know, what, what controversy may there be. What Allah Azza wa Jal has revealed, we have to stick by it. And if we don't, then humiliation is our fate. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim. Wa nafa'ni wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salam ala Sayyid al-Anbiya wal Mursaleen. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi. Wa min istanna bi sunnatihi ila yumiddin. Thumma amma ba'd. Fa'a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan al-rajim. Inna al-lazina amanu. Wal-lazina hadu. Wal-nasara. Wal-sabi'ina man amana billahi. Wal-yawmil akhiri. Wa'amila saliha. فلهم أجرهم عند ربهم ولا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون رب شحل صدري ويسل لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ثم أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى we're going to continue our conversation about uh, this ayah ayah number sixty two of سورة البقرة in which there has been some misunderstanding by some uh, we assume only because of a genuine misunderstanding we don't question the intentions of anyone but uh, uh, nonetheless, something that deserves to be clarified and a confusion needs to be removed in regards to it. The second point I wanted to make, the first I made about the context of the surah itself, the second point I wanted to make in regards to these ayat and their clarification is that the only way you can come to the wrong conclusion that believers, Jews, Christians, Sabians all have a share in paradise if they keep the way they are without any change in their actual belief in Allah's Messenger now that He has come sallallahu alayhi the only way that's possible is if you have a shallow reading of the text and you refuse to study the Qur'an in conjunction with other parts of the Qur'an. We're not even going to the sunnah yet. We're saying even within the Qur'an, 
It's not possible for one to come to this conclusion if they're genuinely looking at the Quran as one unified message. Now, what, why do I mean? Why do I uh, say that? The first thing is Allah Azza wa Jalla says, "Inna ladina amanu," those who believed. Now, when someone believes, of course, this is by most mufassirun referring to the Muslims. But let's just take belief uh, at its face value. You know, you can meet a Christian and you can tell them, "I believe in God," and they'll tell you in response, "Me too." Right? Isn't that what they'll tell you? They'll say, I believe in God too. If you meet a Jew, you'll, I, you tell them, I believe in one God. They might even tell you, I believe in one God. I know a lot of Hindus who believe in one God also. So, now the Arabic would be, Amantu Billahi, I believe in Allah. And they would also, if they were speaking Arabic, would say, Amantu Billahi, Amana Billahi. He believes in Allah too. He believes in God too. Because the word Allah was being used even by Christians and Jews. Actually, it was even being used by Mushrikun. If you ask them who created the heavens and the earth, the Mushrik Arabs will also tell you Allah. So they will also t- say they believe in Allah. Here's the difference though. When I say I believe in Allah, I'm speaking on my, from my point of view. When the Hindu speaks, he's speaking from his point of view. When the Christian speaks, he or she is speaking from his or her point of view. But here's the question. Whose point of view is being addressed here? Allah, from, as far as Allah is concerned, who's considered a believer? You understand what I'm saying? I could claim I'm a believer all I want. But the Qur'an is making claims about who actually believes as far as he's concerned. You, you understand what I'm saying? You know, for, I'll give you a worldly example so this becomes easier to appreciate. An employee might believe they're the best employee in the company. And the boss thinks they're a lousy employee. So you ask the employee, hey, so you're a good employee? Say, yeah, I'm the best here. I, I, I deserve the raise more than anyone else. Right? But if you ask the boss, do you, do you get a different answer? You do, right? So now when Allah is talking about those who believed in Allah and the last day and acted righteously, مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا According to who did they believe in Allah? According to Allah. Allah has certain standards of what it means to believe in Him. Now listen to this. Allah says in the Qur'an, لَقَدْ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ ثَالِثُ ثَلَاثًا Those who said Allah is a third of three. In other words, those who believe in the Trinity have committed the act of disbelief. They've committed the act of kufr. As far as Allah is concerned, they've done what? They've done kufr. Now as far as they're concerned, do they say they've done kufr? No, they'll say they believe. The question here is when Allah says, مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ Whoever believed in Allah. The question is, believed in Allah according to their own point of view or as far as the standards Allah has set of tawheed? That's the question. So here, whoever actually believes in Allah, kama haqqahu, as he deserves to be believed in. Then he says, وَالْيَوْمِ akhir." And again, different beliefs, different religions can believe in the last day or judgment day or afterlife. They can believe in those things. But the question here is, the last day as you're supposed to believe in it. What will happen on the last day? Who are the successful on the last day? Who are the failures on the last day? According to who? You ask a Christian, he'll have a different point of view about the last day. He won't say, I deny it, but he'll have a completely different picture to show you. The Jew will have a completely different picture. The, the Hindu has his own concept of the afterlife. And there are even more variations now. You know, aliens coming and taking you away, the Scientologists and all this stuff, right? But even they'll say, we believe in a last day. Even they can say that. But the, the question here is, the last day that Allah taught, the, 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 the knowledge of the last day that Allah gave to Isa alayhi salam, is the same as what he gave to Musa alayhi salam, is the same as what he gave to Salih alayhi salam, is the same as what he gave to Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salam. 
the ones who will be successful and the ones who will be failures, those standards have been the same throughout. But people change those beliefs. So when Allah says, whoever believes in Allah in the last day, it, it means the last day as He originally taught it. And then finally He says, whoever acts righteously, وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا Open door policy. The question is, who decides what's a righteous deed? According to this ayah, who is talking about righteous deeds? Allah is. Now once again, good and bad can be uh, relative in human society, right? You're talking to somebody, say, I think that's a bad thing. And somebody can say, no, that's not so bad. You know, for you, some language might be disgusting and filthy, and your friend might say, well, what are you getting worked up about? Worked about? It, this is fine. It's not a big deal. It's not like it killed someone. Everybody's got their own standards of what is good and what is bad. But when Allah says righteous deeds, whose standards of righteous deeds is He talking about? His own. And by the way, his, what he considers good deeds is not something you can learn intuitively. Only a few of them you can know on your own. Like telling the truth is good, or you know, justice is good. These are general goodness. That's in the fitrah. But what about you know, consuming riba? Consuming you know, interest or all forms of you know, uh, unjustifiable growth in wealth. Riba, right? Or for example, the, the harms of alcohol. Or zina, or these kinds of things. Because you know, if, if you guys, some of you are in college or have gone through college here, if you study modern sociology and anthropology, you know what they're suggesting. They're suggesting marriage is just a useless formality. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a human construct to organize society better and control women. Really, we should be a sexually free society. That's what they're, they're arguing. And they teach this in anthropology class, and they teach this in sociology. Right? And that's kind of the model towards which they're pushing you know, society to move. That marriage is kind of like, the only benefit from marriage is a tax break. That's about the only good thing that comes out of marriage, right? Every, uh, otherwise, it's very taxing. <laughs> right? So, so you know, this, uh, this idea, uh, what, what makes marriage good is revealed by Allah. It's revealed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now we know an-nikah min sunnati. The Messenger tells us, sallallahu alayhi wa nikah is from my sunnah. The point I'm trying to make is good deeds, what we consider good deeds, are also taught by Allah through a Messenger. When you get rid of the Messenger and say, Messengers are not important, you got no good deeds left. Everybody's got their own standards. And you know, I, I think I mentioned this to you before, I was doing some studies in international ethics not too long ago, just for my own self, just out of curiosity. And I found something remarkable. You know how many... You know, ethics means doing the good and staying away from the bad. Basic definition of ethics and morality, right? And we're studying theories in modern international ethics. And you know how many theories there are? There's like two dozen theories out there. And every, every theorist has his own definition of what it means to be good as a nation and what it means to be bad. For example, one says there's no such thing as good and bad. Whatever serves your national interest, it doesn't, mean if you, it doesn't matter if you kill innocent people or not. So long as your national interests are met, it is good. Others say, no, if the end result is good, doesn't matter how you get there. Others say, no, how you get there is important, and in the end, doesn't matter what, what the end turns out to be. And they have all these conflicts about what it means to be good and bad, and they run around in philosophical circles. But one theorist, interestingly, forget his name, I'll mention his name to you later if I, if I dig it up again, mentioned that there is a universal concept of good and bad, which is what we call the fitrah. There are universal principles of goodness and badness, human beings to be treated equally, and the right to live, and the right to pursue an uh, honest living, and things like that. The, these, and, and criminals being brought to justice. These are universals that don't change from society to society. But Allah here says, وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا So now to say that whoever believes in Allah and the last day and acts righteously, oh that means anybody, you don't have to believe in the Prophet, that's silly. 
The point I'm trying to make in the end is that it's silly. Then the last thing I want to say, now this is how not to interpret the ayah. But then what about the benefits of the ayah itself? You know, there's one thing to not misunderstand it, but what's the benefit of understanding it properly? In this ayah, Allah has given us a very basic, something even a child can understand, but at the same time a very powerful look at iman. Iman itself. Iman is the most basic thing, right? For, for any Muslim, any believer, iman is the most basic thing. But Allah has given us this worldview that comes from iman that is life-changing. And let me tell you what it is. Allah mentioned three aspects of iman in this ayah, right? He mentioned man amana billahi wal yawmil akhiri wa amila salihan. These were the three things that were mentioned to be successful in the next life. La khawfun alayhim wa lahum yahsanun. Now listen to this. Allah Azza wa Jal before this ayah mentioned such terrible, terrible, terrible crimes that Bani Israel committed. We've been reading about them. And now he says the first iman was iman in Allah. A necessary consequence in believe, of believing in Allah is that you will definitely, definitely, definitely believe in the next life. It's a consequence of believing in Allah. If you don't believe in Allah, then it's very difficult for you to accept that there is a life after this one. But if you believe in Allah, a logical consequence of that is the afterlife. How so? If you believe in Allah, don't you and I believe everything He does is perfect? Flawless, right? If there is a God, you're talking to an agnostic or a philosopher, you know, philosopher or an atheist, if there is a God, if there was one, He'd be perfect in every way. Yes, agreed. So if He does anything less than perfect, He can't be God anymore. Has to be, everything He does has to be perfect. Now, He created this world, yes or no? He did. Now look around this world, you see justice or injustice? You don't see justice, you see injustice, you see innocent people being killed. You see children dying of disease. You see murderers getting away with killing a thousand people. When, a, when a, one man kills ten people, what's the most you can do to him? What's the, most, what's the just punishment you can give him? You could kill him, okay, how many times? Once. If he killed one person, you can kill him once. If he killed a thousand people, you can still only kill him once. So you can, you can come to a very easy conclusion that there is no justice in the end, no perfect justice in this world. You can try to get justice, but there's no perfect justice in this world. Then this is what, by the way, leads atheists to justify their position. They say, look, if there was a God, there wouldn't be all this injustice. But we say, no, you're missing something. There is a God, because every one of these credits that the criminal gets will be debited later on. And every one of these debits will be credited later on. No crime went unnoticed. Nothing is off record. Everything is being kept track of. And anything that you suffered here that you didn't get compensated for, you will get paid for it. What is that thing called? It's called the last day. In other words, if you don't believe in the last day, then you can no longer accept Allah is just. Allah, Allah's justice necessitates that you believe in the last day. You understand? So the two are logically connected. Now, if you do believe in the last day, wouldn't you want to be successful on that last day? And you, you've accepted that on that last day, you will be judged by Allah. So wouldn't you want to act righteously? Right? So first came the belief in Allah. A logical consequence of that is believing in the last day. And if you've come to the realization that there is a last day, then what are you going to fix? Your deeds. Such a powerful reality captured in just three phrases. مَنْ أَمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا And this is the mentality of the believer inside these words. And all of this is connected. Now the, the reverse of this is also true. If, you're, if you don't see yourself doing a lot of good deeds, what's weak? Belief in the Akhirah is weak. I don't, I'm not so sure if I'm going to get rewarded all that much for what I'm doing, 
So it's not worth my time to do. There are other things that are taking my time because obviously I'm convinced that's a better use of my time. In other words, when you don't see yourself convinced of doing good deeds, it's actually a, not a weakness in being good, it's a weakness in believing in the afterlife. You're not getting enough reminder or reinforcement about the next life. But if the belief in the next life is weak, what does that lead to? Belief in Allah being weak. The remembrance of Allah being unnecessary. You see how it reverses? So good deeds, the more you do them, the more it fortifies your belief in the next life. And the more you fortify your belief in the next life, the more your, you know, your expectation from Allah increases. Your belief in Allah increases. And the reverse is also true. So this amazing formula has been given that has been timeless. Those who believe now, those who were the followers of Musa, الَّذِينَ هَادُوا وَالنَّصَارَى And those who, were, those who aided Musa, Isa salam, the Christians, or not the Christians, the, the aids, the helpers, al-Nasara, literally. Right? And the Sabians, whoever followed this formula, they have nothing to fear. لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ That's the formula. If you don't understand this formula, you're missing this beautiful piece of wisdom that Allah Azza wa Jal has revealed in this profound ayah. So that'll be the last of our commentary on this ayah inshaAllah ta'ala. We'll continue with the next ayah in our next session. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim. Wa nafa'ni wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikil hakim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.